This is the Clink Law Podcast, providing clarity to the many gray areas surrounding estate planning so you feel empowered to take action. Now here's your host, Peter Clink. Hello. Let's talk about death and taxes. This is Peter Clank. I'm a trust and estates attorney. Been doing this for a long time. And uh, today what we're, we're going to talk about is common trust mistakes. What are the most common mistakes that I see people making uh, when they're using or forming trusts? Now, a little base. If you haven't listened to my other podcasts, there's a little basics about what is a trust. Let's just be on the same level here. You might know this. You might know this already, but let's make sure. So remember, a trust is an arrangement. It's old British law that we still use in the United States. We we did part company with the British in the 1770s, but we kept the legal system. And at its base, you have the grantor, the person who grants the power to a trustee, the person you trust to hold the assets. For a third party, the beneficiary, the person who benefits from the whole arrangement. So grantor, trustee, beneficiary, you have a trust. And remember, in our legal system, you form a trust. It's essentially like forming a, or creating a, a person, right? The trust can own assets. It can hire people. It can pay taxes. It can do mostly what a human being can do, but it is a trust. So it needs that human personification. That's the trustee. The trustee doesn't own what's in the trust, right? Remember, they just manage it and they take care of it. Uh, and the beneficiary doesn't own what's in the trust, right? The trust owns the assets for the trust, for the beneficiary, and the trustee just manages. So those are the basics, right? The basics. There's a lot more to it than that, you know, folks, but, uh, but those are the basics. So what do I see as the most common mistakes that people make? Well, uh, they'll form a trust either revocable or irrevocable. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but they won't put anything in it. Uh, there's sort of this impression that people have that once the trust is formed, that it owns stuff. But the reality is it, it doesn't. If you sign it, you grant the power to a trustee to hold assets for the beneficiary. That's nice, but it's empty. I mean, until there's something in it, it really is kind of meaningless. It's just sitting there. So if you transfer in uh, some cash, well, then the trustee can take a check to a bank or a financial institution, open up an account, really rather simple to do, and deposit the money you gave to the trust. And now the trust is funded. The trust has something. So the trustee can actually manage and take care of things with that or help the beneficiary. If you transfer a land, well, then it's a deed. Right, You file the deed. You say, well, I'm moving this deed from my name into the trust name. And as soon as it's filed, well, then there you go. The trust now owns something. A common mistake with revocable trust is uh, sometimes these programs people have, they'll kick out this list at the end and it'll say, oh, these are the trust assets. And, you know, you're the client. You don't, you don't know. You haven't done this. So what do you do? You look at that list and you think, well, all those things are now in the trust. Well, they're, they're not. They're not in the trust. They, they're on a list. What does that do? I mean, I can make a list and say the Brooklyn Bridge is in the trust, but I'm telling you, the Brooklyn Bridge is not owned by the trust. You got to make the transfer. So I think those lists are, are often too, too, not to be included that confuse people. Uh, you have to move the account, move the real estate, move the stock, uh, move the asset into the trust, and then it's there. So I'm going to kind of talk a little bit more revocable trust. This is a very common mistake. 
these people form revocable trusts, especially in New York and California and Florida, uh, to avoid probate. And then they think by signing it, it's, it's done. But the reality is you have to move your assets in. There's a series of chap- steps you have to take to fund it so that when you die someday, well, you, your assets don't go through private because they're owned by the trust. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on. Another mistake. Picking a terrible trustee. <laughs> Welcome to my litigation department. Uh, we have three attorneys at our firm that do nothing besides state litigation. And a lot of it is about people picking the wrong trustee. You pick uh, your kid because, well, he's your kid. I'm, who are you going to pick? Well, my oldest, because my oldest is the oldest. But you don't stop to think, well, you know, maybe you should pick somebody else. Uh, look, a trustee is called a trustee because you trust them to, to manage and take care of things. Being a trustee can be a real pain depending on the situation, especially if you have maybe a special needs person as a beneficiary, or you have a, a business or something you're putting in that takes a lot of management. Or when you die, you know that, uh, you know, there's going to be people clamoring for their money and they need to be managed. Well, yeah, you need to have somebody who can handle the situations that are going to arise. And, and if you pick the wrong person, they might be, you know, the nicest person in the world, but they get stressed out by pressure and then they put their head in the sand, so to speak. Uh, and then everybody's getting irritated or, um, you know, you, you pick two kids, a terrible situation. If your kids don't get along, I can't tell you how many times I've asked clients, Oh, do your kids get along? And they say, no. And then I have to talk to them about not naming the kids as co-trustees because they're just going to fight. They can't help themselves. It's the nature of sibling rivalry. So uh, you got to pick the right person, the person who can do the job. And and brainstorming about who's the right person for the job is something you do with your trust and state attorney. You know, they can tell you from the assets that are there or the length of the trust, its purpose, who might be a really good fit. Uh, Then, well, what's another mistake? Uh, Is... It is uh, not understanding uh, or updating, you know, your the need to update your trust. Sorry, so not updating, not keeping it up to date, and and reacting to what is happening in the world. Now, you this is easily done with a revocable trust. A revocable trust can be revoked and edited whenever you can, and it replaces your will. So, you know, I I see people who have revocable trust they might have set up twenty twenty five years ago when their kids were little. And they sort of somehow think it's a little magical thinking that it's evolving as the kids get older when it's not. It's just like a will. Uh, You need to uh, adjust for changes. That brother you pick to be in charge, maybe he's not the best choice anymore. Uh, Maybe you pick somebody to be in charge when you had one kid, but now you have three. And three's more than one. <laughs> it's it's a little harder, right, to, to take care of. There's more complications. There's kids maybe not getting along so well. And it depends on the assets, too. Other things are um, with a, a trust, it can be modified for changes in the law. Like now, quite some time ago in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, they got rid of the rule against perpetuity. So trust can go forever now in, in the Commonwealth and in New Jersey. Uh, if your trust is old or was done under the old rules, it probably says, well, when my kids die, it, it, you know, it, it goes away and everything that trust holds when absolutely not necessary to do. It's a bad move. You, you really want to set things up so your trust can go as long as possible. If 
If the trust empties it, it's done. That's fine. But as long as the trust can continue, why not let it be sheltered from divorce and lawsuits and problems that might come your way? Like, really? Why not? Right? So that's another thing, keeping your trust up to date. If you have an irrevocable trust, one time when I started my practice, it was very, very difficult to update an irrevocable trust. It's become much easier now. In the right circumstance, you don't even have to go to court. You can just do it with the parties involved. Otherwise, you can go to court and the courts are much more open and, and pliable, so to speak, about making changes to irrevocable trust than they used to. So think about your trust. Don't just imagine it's gone forever. And even if it's not terrible, like this, like you said, you picked a trustee who's now dead or you know in jail. <laughs> but it's nothing, nothing wrong with checking it over with your trust and state's attorney and making sure that uh, it's as up-to-date as, as possible. Why not? Do a little review and, and make sure that there's not something you can improve on. The last thing is, is to understand that when you set things up, it's understanding the needs of your beneficiary. Remember, trust isn't something you set up and nothing in the world then changes. Now, especially a special needs trust. You might set up a trust and say, well, um, I feel like this is enough money to take care of my special needs son until he dies. But you know the program, maybe your son on has changed. Maybe your assets have changed. What will your son need? And after time, maybe you realize, well, you thought he was going to stay in your house after you die, but you realize that won't happen, right? For whatever reason. So now maybe you need to have enough money in the trust to take care of an apartment building or just the expenses of the care have increased. Maybe there's a physical disability that's gotten worse and requires more care. So you got to think about the purpose of your trust. Is it still able with the amount of, of money or whatever you're, you're funding the trust during your life or after your death, can it still fulfill its purpose? Because you went to all the work to, to take care of the trust and form it. You just want to make sure that it continues and, and provides the care that you, uh, you wanted it for, right? So that's it. Those are the top. There's always little things, but what it really comes down to is with a trust, you have to look at it as a, an ongoing venture. Uh, a trust isn't something you just do and forget about. It might still be fine, but there's no reason not to dust it off every once in a while and take a look and say, hey, you know, that there's a, a way to do this. So, hey, guys, that was uh, just a quick conversation about typical errors that are made on, on trusts that I see. If you have questions about trusts, uh, revocable, irrevocable, uh, under the will, inter vivos, while you're alive, I'm happy to talk to you about it if it's in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. If you're outside those states, well, there's a fine trust and state attorneys out there that'd be happy to talk to you about it, how, about how a trust would best serve your exact situation. All right. Well, hey, it's been great talking about death and taxes. Peter Clank, and uh, you take care, and we'll talk again next time. Thanks for listening to the Clank Law Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and share. 